Did you ever have a teacher at school who was, who was so bad that you, you can't remember learning anything in his class? I had a teacher like that, uh, Mr. Butler, the geography teacher. And Mr. Butler had a very strange style of teaching. Every, every lesson, at the beginning of the lesson, he would stand at the front of the class, raise a piece of chalk, close his eyes, and they'd just mumble continuously for an hour. And I was in his class for, for two years, I never understood a word he said. And, and he sprayed as well. So you had to make sure you weren't in the, in the front two rows or you'd be washing spit out of your hair for the rest of the week. And because he had his eyes shut, you could just get away with anything. So there'd be, there'd be kids fighting, setting fire to each other, the guys at the front putting umbrellas up. And he was completely oblivious. And uh, I just remember sitting there and thinking, Mr. Butler, why do you even bother? This isn't working. This is not how to teach. Uh, and you know, I reckon there were people in Jesus' day who were thinking exactly the same thing about him. Because uh, by the time we get to this, this passage in, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus has become quite well known around the region. He's been doing some amazing stuff. He's been healing the sick. He's uh, calmed a storm. He's given blind people their sight back. He's raised a girl from the dead. He's cast out demons. And everyone's absolutely amazed. But it seems like every time he opens his mouth to teach, he seems to get people's backs up. Every time he tries to teach people, he just provokes opposition. So at his baptism, you get, you get God's voice declaring that Jesus is God's king. And then Matthew shows all these prophecies that, that show that Jesus is God's king. And then he starts going around acting like God's king but he fails to be accepted as God's king because he persists in teaching in a way that provokes opposition. So by the time you get to this point in the story, there's this growing hostility to Jesus' teaching. The Pharisees accuse him of being in league with the devil. Uh, his, his parents, his, his family come think he's mad, try and take him away. Uh, You've got people who, who listen to him and they're so infuriated they, they go out and plot how to kill him or they try to throw him off a cliff. It seems like Jesus' teaching just isn't working. It isn't establishing him as the king. So, so the question that we face when we come to this passage, Matthew 13, is why does Jesus persist in such an unpopular activity? And as he starts to tell another parable in Matthew 13. You can just imagine his disciples thinking, oh no, he's doing it again. You know, boys, get your stuff ready. We might have to make a sharp exit here. If Jesus really is the king, if he's really come to establish God's kingdom, then why doesn't he just come out and tell everyone plainly? Why does he keep telling parables? This method of teaching just isn't working. So why does he keep doing it? Well, that's exactly the question that the disciples ask him in verse 10. And that's the question that we're going to be thinking about this morning. Why did Jesus teach in parables? Now, I used to, I used to think that, that parables were all about, uh, all about uh, methods of teaching that's designed to help people understand big things. I remember being taught that, that parables are uh, earthly stories with, with a heavenly meaning. Have you heard that phrase? So they're kind of everyday stories of country folk 
that, uh, that teach people in a way that the, the average bloke on the street is going to understand. Clever illustrations using images that people are familiar with, farmers and servants and masters. So, so it helped there to help people grasp Jesus' message more easily. But when you look at uh, what, when the disciples ask Jesus, how, why do you speak in parables? And if you look at Jesus' answer, we see something quite surprising, don't we? Look again at verse 10. The disciples come to him and, and ask, why do you speak to the people in parables? And Jesus replies, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Now maybe, maybe you thought the same as me. Maybe you thought that, that the parables show Jesus' sensitivity to his audience. Uh, they, they were a way of making deep truths clear and understandable. But Jesus' quote from Isaiah 6 seems to suggest almost the opposite, doesn't it? It seems to be saying uh, that Jesus taught in parables so some people wouldn't understand. He taught that way intentionally, knowing that some people would be confused and just wouldn't get it. And the first time I realised that, I thought, hang on a minute, what, what is he saying? Is he, is he really... Is he really saying that? Did Jesus really do that? Does, doesn't, he want anyone, doesn't he want anyone to understand? Does he mean that, that no one, that people will never understand? Well, no, it, does, it, does, it, works, it works like this. Jesus' parables are like, are like a test. They divide people. Did you see how, people talk, uh, how Jesus talked about two different groups of people? In verse 11, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but, but not to them. So the disciples and the others that have come to him for understanding, they, they're, they're the insiders, if you like, and the others, everyone else is like, like the outsiders. In Mark's account of this story, Jesus uses that kind of language. He talks, about the, he talks about those who are on the outside. So the insiders are those who are spiritually intrigued by Jesus' teaching, and they come to him for greater understanding. But the outsiders, they... They just heard a story. They didn't see anything spiritual in the parable. Their hearts were not open to that. And so they probably just left. So Jesus' parables, they, they divide people. They distinguish insiders from outsiders. So in that sense, they're a bit like a joke. You know, when you're in a big group of people and, and you tell a joke, some people will get it, and then other people in the case of a joke, mainly women, don't get it. And, uh, and so you divide people. Have you ever been in a group where, where someone keeps telling sort of in-jokes that only a few people actually understand? And the ones that, that get it, they, they think it's hilarious and everyone else is alienated. 
just like that. I remember uh, the time I was the best man for uh, my friend's wedding. Now, he, uh, he married an American girl, so his wedding was out in Ohio. And at the reception, there was a couple of tables of British people, and all the rest were Americans. And that was my audience for the best man's speech. And, uh, and it was a typical British best man's speech, so lots of gags, uh, embarrassing stories about the groom, couple of jokes about bodily functions, you know, the kind of thing. Uh, now, now, the thing is that American sense of humour, if you can call it that, <laughs> is a bit different from ours. Sorry, Steve. I know you've got a sense of humour, really. I can tell from that shirt. <laughs> now, th- these guys, anyway, at this wedding, these guys were not, not just any Americans, but they were like super straight-laced, non-drinking, non-dancing, Salvation Army, Nazarene Christians, it was a hell of a party. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm doing this speech and it's very quickly become aware that I've totally divided the audience. So there's the two tables of British people laughing their heads off as intended, but all around the rest of the room there's just deathly silence. Just the odd quizzical look and, and a couple of expressions of genuine horror. <laughs> and it, was, it was seed sown along the path, definitely. Uh, so my speech completely divided the audience. So one group of people responded one way and, and another group responded completely differently. And I could see from their response exactly who was British and who was American. And the parables work something like that. They divided Jesus' audience and, and the, the response shows something about their heart people's response to the parable shows something about their heart. Let's think about this a little bit more by looking back at verse 2 and notice the, the setting of this parable. Matthew tells us that, that such large crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore and then he told them many things in parables. So you've got all these people flocking to Jesus, so many that he has to get in this boat just to get some some kind of distance and to prevent him from getting completely mobbed. So, you, so you've got all these crowds of people. Uh, and you know what it's like with crowds. You know, have you ever joined a crowd just because it was there? You know, you'd be in town and you, you see a crowd of people and think, oh, I wonder what's going on over there. So you go over, you're trying to see what it is, you ask someone, oh, what's going on, what's going on? And they're like, I, I don't know, I just saw a crowd and I came over. And you, you see, really like, no one knows what's going on. Crowds just attract crowds. So you've got, you've got all these people coming to Jesus for all kinds of reasons. Some people uh, wanted to see miracles, maybe. Some people wanted to be healed physically. Uh, others maybe thought he was going to free them from the Romans. Maybe others just wanted to be fed, like in chapter 14. And perhaps some of them genuinely wanted to hear and to understand what Jesus had to say. But by no means all the people that were flocking to him had a genuine interest in his message, and Jesus knew that. He, he, knew, he knew that. He knew that people's motives were different. And so he taught them in parables. And those who genuinely did long to hear and understand the message of the kingdom, those who had ears to hear and hearts to understand, those people would grasp the meaning of the parables. They'd turn and be forgiven, forgiven or at the very least they'd come to Jesus and ask for more explanation 
ask for more understanding like they do in verse 10. But those who are, who are just following Jesus uh, in order to be entertained or, or to be fed or for their own personal gain, those people will never grasp the meaning of the parables because their hearts were just not open to it. All they hear is just a story. Spiritually, they're not interested. Though they see, they do not perceive. Though they hear, they do not understand. For this people's heart, Jesus says, is calloused. So that's why people responded to Jesus the way they did. People's response to the message of Jesus depends on the state of their hearts. So you see, Jesus' parables have a kind of sifting function. They, they sift out the, the genuine seeker after truth from the casual listener. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Look at what Jesus says in verse 12. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So Jesus says when someone, some, when someone takes hold of what they can understand of God's word and possesses it and owns it, so their com- capacity to learn more grows. But conversely, although Jesus came to reveal God, his words will, will actually lock some up in their hardness of hearts. For those who've hardened their hearts to the message, the parables just add to their confusion. So Jesus' teaching divided people. When he taught, there's always a mixed response. We see that throughout the Gospels. And actually exactly the same separation occurs uh, when, when we encounter his word today as when he walked the earth. And so this passage has got a lot to tell us about what, what we can expect as Jesus' followers, as, as we seek to share the message of God's kingdom. So as we continue the work that he started, sowing the seed of God's word in the world, we should expect the same thing. We should expect a mixed response when you look to share the things of God with the people around you when, you, when you try to teach people from the Bible, from the Word of God, you should expect a mixed response. You should expect the message to divide people. See, it's, it's very discouraging, isn't it, when people reject the message of Jesus? It's, it's such an amazing good news to us. It seems to make such sense to us that it really hurts when people reject it. And it's very easy when that happens to think, well, maybe I, I said something wrong, maybe I didn't communicate it properly, maybe I'm not using the right method, maybe I did something wrong. But this passage reminds us that if we, if we do everything right, then not everyone is always going to respond in faith. If we do it right, then some people will reject the message. Some people won't understand and it's not because of, uh, of us or what we're doing. It's because people's response to the message of God's kingdom depends on where their hearts are at at the time. And uh, I'm sure, I think Ken's preaching next week, I'm sure he'll talk about this much more, so I won't do that this week. But, but this parable tells us what we should expect 
when we saw the word of God and that should be an encouragement to us. But I think there's also a challenge for us in this passage. You see, in a sense, the parables are, are a way of saying, look, how much do you, do you want to hear? How much do you really want to hear? They sift out the true seeker after truth from just the casual listener. And so maybe that's our challenge this morning. How much do you want to hear what God has to say? See, some of the hardest hearts sit in church Sunday by Sunday. They hear the sermon, they, they hear the message about God's kingdom, but hearing isn't enough. In this passage, all the crowd hear Jesus' words, but only some of them are blessed by it. The rest just hear a story and it makes no impact. And similarly, you, you can come to church each Sunday and hear God's word. You might even stay awake through the whole thing. You might even uh, nod, pretending you're listening. <laughs> you might even take some kind of intellectual interest. But it's possible for you to do all of that, but for it to make no impact in your life because, because your heart and your will are basically shut. So let me ask you, do you come... Do you come on a Sunday eager to hear God's truth? Do you come wanting to understand the things of God? Are you a seeker after truth? Do you have a thirst for his word, for his teaching? And are you obeying what he says to you? Or are you at least wrestling with it? Striving to make a response to what you hear? Well, if so, then there's a great encouragement for you in this passage. Jesus says, blessed are you because you see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but do not hear it, did not hear it. And he says, whoever has will be given more and he will have in abundance. Or perhaps, perhaps your attitude, the attitude of your heart is somewhat different to that. Perhaps you see the sermon as something to be endured on a Sunday. Or maybe you're just, just mildly interested on an intellectual level if the, if the preacher's got something interesting to say that week. Or maybe you, you come and you hear, but it makes no difference. You just go away and forget everything that you've heard. Well, if that's you, then Jesus has a warning for you in this passage. See, Jesus says that if that's where your heart is at, then, then hearing God's word is actually dangerous. Whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So the parables reveal the state of our heart. And perhaps as, as you go away today, and as we go through this series on parables, that, that's, the, that's what you need to be thinking about. Maybe you need to be asking yourself, what does my response to Jesus' teaching tell me about the state of my heart?